Welcome to the third episode of CTO Coffee. This time, um, my guest is David Morgantini. We wanted to talk about um, engineering ladders, career growth frameworks. I think when David now says a few words about himself, you understand why David is exactly the right person to talk about this topic. So, David. So, uh, thank you very much, Benjamin, for having me on this, this call. Um, I am David Morantini. I have been uh, leading teams uh, for probably about seven to eight years. Uh, started with uh, working at ThoughtWorks, uh, both Canada and ThoughtWorks in the UK. And after I left ThoughtWorks, I did a few consulting gigs. And then I switched over to be the VP of engineering at a global uh, education company called Tez. Um, at Tez, I had a opportunity to lead a team that grew from about 20 software engineers all the way up to 50. And during that time, I was put in a position where I had to take ownership of their career progression and their career growth. And I kind of came up uh, mostly in isolation at that time with a with a concept that I, I thought was relatively unique, and it turns out is less unique than I was thinking, but um, I, the concept of how to help help these engineers engineers grow and it kind of um i i started basically with a framework which was really just a spreadsheet and as the team um grew and evolved we had to basically found that the spreadsheet didn't really scale with the team uh so we ended up building a uh, a tool uh subsequently uh tez has open sourced that tool and that's um hosted underneath the the Tez GitHub, which I'm sure you'll pronounce, put a link on your website. And and once Tez had open sourced that tool, I came to realize that there was a bit of demand for for growth frameworks for engineers, whether career ladders or growth frameworks. And I I decided to start a business. So about um, eight months ago, I launched a business called uh, SkillsMap. And SkillsMap is a company that's focused on career frameworks for software engineers, uh, basically helping to, once you have one, to help you to manage it at scale. So when you're talking around um, 20, 20 plus engineers, how do you manage a, a, a granular uh, career ladder for software engineers? Cool. That sounds very interesting. Of course, you kind of started to hint at it, um, but um, one of the questions I have for you is like, um, what is it that fascinates you about career growth frameworks now or uh, interests you so much about them um, that you, yeah, building a company out of it? Is it just the opportunity, which is, of course, totally fine, or is it um, some something more? Yeah, so for me, for me, it's kind of grow, growing software engineers, I think, is really important as a leader. I mean, it, it is generally a passion of mine. I've been wanting like i've been one of those those engineers that has both an engineering mindset but also a mindset of leadership so i personally have have wanted to grow or to to lead people uh for as long as possible for, for as long as i can basically remember to be honest and i think with regard to to growth frameworks it's 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 really about how can you get the most out of the people that you're leading it's a answering that question and really enabling them to be better than they better than they are 
right now. And while there are a lot of different things that a leader can do to help make people better, focusing on their growth and really co- providing them with a clear and concise uh, path is is what is what really to me can have some of the biggest impacts. And especially this this becomes especially true when you're talking about junior junior developers, because they can be some of the most productive and the most valuable members of your team if you give them that opportunity. If you if you if you find them, identify the potential and then provide them with a nicely supported uh, path forward to grow, then you're probably going to end up with uh, some of your most um, valuable talent uh, for your team as they they've kind of grown in your product or your your company and they have a they have a significant amount of loyalty and and drive that you might not get from somebody that you've hired somebody that you just hire that already has several years of experience yeah um yeah i can totally relate to that it's um and you basically took the word out of my mouth that a framework career growth framework is super important for giving people on your team in your company a path to to evolve and to kind of find find a path also together with the people to yeah find out what matters to them and at the same time matters to the company or is useful to both of the company and the developers yeah I, I mean, I think that what what we've what the mo- modern software development is becoming is an in massively fragment, not fragmented, massively large. Like the it it essentially feels like it's just expanding and expanding and expanding, and the number of things that you have to know is growing and growing and growing. And when you when you start at a company, just to understand what are the things that what of this massive world that's out there, what are the what is that set of things that is important to me to be able to succeed at this company, what are those things? And that I think is extremely valuable to be able to, to, to communicate that and to show that through, through something along those lines. So definitely that value to understand what are the values, what are the, what's important to my company, to the company I've joined, um, whether I'm junior, senior or not. Yeah. Another thing that I, as a um, leader, um, found also very valuable um, with, with the ladders is that it, especially when it comes to things like performance reviews um, and, and such, that it's a valuable tool for, for both sides to um, to have a common ground to talk about one's performance, um, team members' performance. Yeah, that, that was one of the really big things that I found back when I was working at ThoughtWorks and when, when the idea behind the growth framework I built uh, originally came from uh, was when I was working on ThoughtWorks and being able to communicate to people specifically what did it mean to be a senior consultant was very valuable to me as a leader um, at ThoughtWorks, just just for both sides. And I think that they felt it quite valuable as well to understand where they were in relation to that yeah. line. Because it allows you to communicate in a concise way about these topics, about the progression of someone, it also allows to talk about these topics more often and in a less formal way like in a in a usual one-on-one like okay in the last two weeks i've seen you do this and that and this pays exactly into this um aspect of our skills map or our um career growth framework so if you keep doing that um yeah you're on the right track to to whatever um 
I've, I've, I've referred on several occasions to skills map and career frameworks as HR that engineers like, mm. which is, which is, which is something, right? Because quite often a lot of those performance review tools that, uh, that focus on annual reviews or objectives set on an annual basis are, are, are something that, uh, we, that we tend to play lip service. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have filled in have had to fill in a few annual reviews for yourself or for others where you're just kind of racking your brain trying to think what the person did poorly or what the person did well and and it, you're just like right i can only remember these two things that you did in the last three months but i'm supposed to write this thing for the entire year and that can be very difficult and then um software engineers can sometimes spend up to days filling in trying to prove to people that they've that they've done something but without a or they're, they're the next level up or whatever and and it can oftentimes feel either like it, like it basically a dead end for them it just kind of goes into the hr world and then sort of disappears and maybe i get a small percentage raise and you, there's no visibility um on that side so so providing something that where you can have concrete conversations around it is yeah it's absolutely i, I think i like to think that it's hr that engineers like that's a that's a very nice phrase, yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe let's dive into yeah what you told us about what you did at TESS and how it um, that it evolved into um, what you now do at and Skills Map. Can you can you give us a little bit like a short run through of what you came up with or you and your team came up with back then and how it evolved into and why it evolved into um, this more granular granular thing. Yeah, absolutely. So before before I get into that, I'm just going to jump a little bit back in terms of just to kind of set the stage for for people for some of your listeners that might not have a lot of experience with career ladders. Um, so what I've found in since I've really started doing research into the subject, so after I after I built it already, but uh, since then, is that there's fundamentally three styles of career frameworks for software engineers that have been built for software engineers or the like. The first one is a is what we've called a self self evaluated proficiency framework, and essentially what that means is that you have a list of skills and and then a set of set of sca a scale with which you would evaluate each individual skill. So there'll be a skill that's one or a skill that's two, or and you get to decide what those skills are. And that was actually this, the, the framework that I had had experience with before. And I disliked pretty substantially because it leads to such a massive subjective element to the, uh, to, to the evaluations, um, basically because the difference between one and five could be very well, how I'm feeling on the day, um, trying to debug a problem. Um, so that, that was the first one. The second type that we've identified is, uh, is a career ladder. And a career ladder is, in essence, where you the scale with which you measure skills is based off the grades that they're at. So a junior engineer has this set of skills, an engineer has this set of skills across these different categories, and a senior engineer would have this set of skills across a set of categories. So that, that's a career ladder, which is actually fairly common uh, in the industry. And the last one is what we've called a growth framework, whereby a growth framework Uh, uses a model of skills acquisition to grow. So you might start at novice and then go up through through a set of different things, and then you'd end up at advanced. And then you'd still have a set of categories like technical skill, but then you'd break down for a novice at technical skill, you'd have a set of skills. Advanced technical skill, you'd have a set of skills. So th those are the three major uh, types of, um, of, career of career frameworks. And as I said, I 
didn't actually know that there was a difference or that they existed when I first started this. And what we actually came up with originally uh, when I was working at, at ThoughtWorks was a was was one of the growth frameworks. So it used a slightly modified Dreyfus model starting at uh, novice, uh, which basically implies that you 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 the the minimum amount to do the job of a software engineer. Uh, experienced beginner, which is that you can you probably know just enough to be dangerous, but you still need supervision. Independently successful, which means that you're actually able to uh, do work effectively by yourself. And then knowledgeable, which is that level like where you're kind of starting to be able to coach people and you're, you, uh, it's a bit beyond that, uh, that being able to do things by yourself. And then advanced, which is that top tier of, of your organization. So looked at like, oh, not quite expert, like this is a modified Dreyfus model, so I don't call it expert, but it's basically some expert skills in say technical, you might be a technical expert, but maybe in uh, in business analysis, you wouldn't actually be an expert business analysis. So that's why we call it advanced, but it is higher level, higher level skills for say business analysis. So we started with this, uh, with this Dreyfus model and, and then we brought, came up with a set of fairly generic categories. So I, I looked at it as you have essentially three careers that you could follow um, as a consultant, as an engineer. One of which is that technical track, so basically the writing code. Another is along that architecture, and then the final is along leadership. So I kind of had looked at it along those three three fundamental areas, and then I further broke them down into so technocrat breaks into infrastructure automation, programming, web development, and so on and so forth. Architecture has system architecture, cloud architecture, so security perhaps, and so on. And then leadership is your some of your softer skills. So that was my initial initial impression of what the world looked like. And I built out a spreadsheet, and the spreadsheet probably had maybe 100, 100 skills. It was pretty generic, but also missing a lot. And, uh, and so when I when I, I ended up leaving ThoughtWorks, I'd use that on uh, an ad hoc basis for a half dozen, maybe a few more uh, consultants at ThoughtWorks. And then I moved to Tez. And at Tez... I start. I was like, you know what? We're being asked by HR to do a performance reviews. Let's try this tool. Let's let's try this spreadsheet. I came up with it. See what it is. See how it works for you guys. Let's give it a try. And so I had about I think it was maybe eighteen engineers at that time, and we just kind of went through this spreadsheet. And what I started doing was marking off in in blue was you've attained it or you you've achieved this skill. You have it, um, and uh, and red or yellow. Uh, red meant you you did it you wanted it so it was actually just two colors either you had it or you wanted it uh, very simple but I would sit down with every single engineer and I would go through this and at eighteen that was that was a pretty epic week and a half uh, for me because there was eighteen hours of meetings but what was interesting is that when I asked all the engineers about how they felt they all said it was useful it was valuable to them. But there were some people who pointed out things like, hey, where's my business analysis skills? Where are my design skills? Uh, where are my front end skills? Because, of course, what this was initially was just a vision that I, this relatively narrow vision that I had of what was a, a good, to be honest, what, like, what, what are my skills? Uh, because that's obviously what I know best. Um, and, and I had to come down from that level and say, right, okay. There's a lot of stuff I obviously don't know, 
So let's let's talk about this. And so we what we ended up doing was essentially we still have the same three general targets, but it definitely expanded. So now we, we've added uh, front end development, front end design, much more on the infrastructure and automation side. Uh, business analysis came in and, and a whole whack of other stuff that were relevant to um, to Tez. We also ended up very much making it more specific in terms of like previously I might have had able to work with web framework. What we found then is that people would come in knowing Angular and be saying, well, yeah, of course I'm an expert because I've been doing Angular for 10 years. But the reality is that from Tez's perspective, React is what we were working with, and therefore that Angular knowledge, while interesting, is not wasn't terribly important. So that caused some some uh, challenges for some people who were doing reviews. They're saying, "Well, yeah, I have Angular," and I'd be like, "Well, no, but that doesn't count." And that and and it was those those sorts of conversations that we started to say, "Right, well, we want to move away from these conversations," especially as I started to grow, as the team started to grow in October of 2016 that I actually started building as a hack day, a tool to support this, this growth framework. Um, and, and that was the, the main driver for that was so that I didn't, I could, I could essentially scale it across the entire team and be able to have meaningful conversations myself with everybody. Um, and what I'd actually done before I even before I even got to the point of building it, I basically tried to do an evaluation period, and we were doing evaluations once every six months. But I do an evaluation period where I said, "Self-assess yourself." These are this is the color scheme, and the color scheme at that point changed to blue if I have it, um, yellow if I want to talk about it, and red if I want it. And in even just that, still using the spreadsheet, um, I still found that we spent basically the same amount of time talking. But I was actually talking about important things as opposed to debating whether you had this particular uh, web framework or not. So that, so that, that, that self-evaluation, the ability for people to self-evaluate was actually really important. But of course, at the level that we had, the detail that we had for each skill didn't provide sufficient context for people to be able to self-evaluate. So we built that tool. Uh, and what the tool essentially did is take the spreadsheet, uh, stick it into the web, um, which enabled me, therefore, to add questions to every skill. So basically, my point was, right, you have this skill, um, working knowledge of Node.js, and it has criteria which might be uh, able to deliver software using Node.js or features using, uh, using Node.js language. But then... If I was sitting beside you and you said, I'm not sure I have this skill right now, what would I ask you? And those questions would have been something like, Are you, uh, do, you, do you understand the event loop? Because the being able to answer yes to a set of these questions would indicate that you had the skill or you didn't have the skill. Um, so, so essentially what I was really targeting was that, was that I don't want to be sitting beside you for that self-evaluation. I want you to be able to self-evaluate by yourself. And then we talk about the output. So we added these questions. We added the uh, we added the ability to self evaluate. The UX was atrocious. Uh, only only a mother could love it, um, and I was the mother, so I loved it. But it was pretty atrocious. And uh, and the 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 UX on the actual admin side was was obviously built by uh, by people who who didn't think that much about UX. But uh, when we launched it for our 
for the evaluation process, I was able to scale the evaluations out to about 35 engineers, adding essentially no additional time outside of the having to spend about an hour to an hour and a half with each one of those 35 engineers, which was when I decided to scale the management of the team. And and so it essentially took me no extra, t- no additional time for each one of those engineers. And again, when I asked each one, because I feel like it's important when you're imposing something on, on your team to say, hey, we're doing this thing. Is it useful? Because I don't want to waste your time if it's not. And again, I got mostly yeses. This is this was very, very useful. And and definitely no strong no's. There were, of course, a few people like, well, you know, process. I'm not a big fan of process and I prefer not to do anything. But uh, but in general, people were were very um, very happy with what we what, with what we built, and it was kind of at that point that I just started talking talking to uh, talking to individuals and um, and to other people, and they said, you know, this seems like quite a good idea, and that's what kind of triggered us to launch the uh, to launch the business. But to get to your question, I mean, essentially, the the evolution of the growth frameworks itself was from fairly granular, more and more granular. And I think when when I get back to my to my initial thing when I was discussing the difference between the the three different types of career frameworks, the challenge I've had when I look at career ladders, um, and and I I didn't know about most of them when I built the one at Tez. I'll be honest, because I had a solution in my mind and I. I implemented it. Um, so, but in afterwards, when I've looked at each one of them, what I've found is that if I evaluate myself against, say, the rent runway ladder as a as a former VP of engineering, and I've done many years of, of engineering, I didn't find any gaps. So, while it's quite useful for me to be able to communicate, so I can now have a conversation to you and say, "Hey, I should be VP of engineering at uh, at at rent runway." What I'm not getting is any areas that I should be growing. And so when we talk about why do I think that a growth framework can be valuable as opposed to a, a, a very granular growth framework can be valuable as opposed to, say, a career ladder is simply because it identifies those gaps. I, on the TES map, I have plenty of areas that, that require growth, whether it's in the operations area or the um, or, or front end or... Or even some leadership skills uh, and so on. That these are these are, are serious gaps that I I could address or could work on. That doesn't mean I'm not the VP of engineering. It simply means that I have areas to grow, and that's really what I was trying to enable. Wasn't just the the communication, but it was also enabling people to grow to recognize where they're missing things. And one of the things that I, as a personal anecdote. When I evaluated myself against the TES skills map, in fact, even the thought, original ThoughtWorks skills map, uh, one of the skills was related to instrumentation of services and building, alerting, and monitoring. And that was something that, as a consultant, we didn't tend to spend a lot of time thinking about. So when I got to TES, I saw this glaring box, empty hole in my skill set, which said, build systems with effective monitoring and, and alerting. And that it just just seeing that there kind of was like, right, I don't think about this. I need to think about this. And then I went ahead and I taught myself Datadog and uh, New Relic Alerts. And and, and I kind of, uh, it, it, in essence, seeing that gap kind of changed my trajectory, not changed my trajectory, but really highlighted for me that this was something that I wasn't doing and I need to be much better at. And therefore, I went ahead and, and fixed that. And I think even that little uh, 
example just kind of shows that if you can highlight these things, they can be valuable. The challenge, of course, is that it's really hard to build a growth framework. It, it's, it, it took me five years of, of changing it and tweaking it and, and making it better to actually have it to a point where I was, where I'm pretty happy and I can look at a software engineer at Tez and look at their skills, their, their skills map. I can say, yeah, okay, that's representative of who that person is and it feels right. And when I compare a couple of people, I can look at them both and say, yeah, that's, that's about right where the, what you see as their skill set and what the verbal feedback and so on match. And that's really important for me because you, what you don't want is them to not match where it's just kind of a, a pointless thing. What you described later, especially your later stages of evolving these um, frameworks was, can, can I say is it, it's very skill-centric? Like you, you always, um, yeah, the word you used was always like this skill, that skill and so on. And when I when I look at all of the different, um, or let's say a lot of different other um, frameworks, um, engineering ladders out there, then I very often see descriptions of how how work is done, how work should be conducted, in contrast to a list of skills, a list of um, yeah concrete skills. But are they are these two um, ways to look at ladders are they like complementary or is it like one way or the other um what do you what do you think about that so i think i i think there definitely can be complementary i mean i think that a career ladder is it will very rarely uh focus on be able to be skill centric simply because it needs to be to have an effective career ladder you need to be focused on communication it needs to be terse it needs to be able to describe At, at, a, at a large what good looks like at a particular level and what are the behaviors that are exemplified by an individual at that level so i think that you'll tend not to have um in a career ladder um a lot of very nitty-gritty skills I've, again it's, it's by design um i think that for the growth framework um the ones that we've been building you kind of the way the way i see it is that If you have a skill and you're able to do something, like you, you, if there's a thing that you can do and you're not doing it, then that is a somewhat orthogonal problem to something that is then to a career ladder. And, and so, so I think that what the way that I've, I've kind of envisioned, it kind of highlights the areas that you, that you should be able to do. And then it's up to the leaders on the teams to actually help you do that, to figure out what is it about your environment? What is it? So if you can do this, what is it about your environment that's stopping you from doing that? What is it about the situation that's stopping you from doing that thing if you're not doing it, right? Um, so, so what I'm trying to, what we try to push at SkillsMap in terms of when we're coaching teams and individuals on how to actually uh, embed this in your team is we're saying, This cannot be it. You cannot just say, here is a tool to allow you to evaluate your team members and the team members evaluate themselves. What you need to have is weekly one-to-ones or bi-weekly one-to-ones where you're talking about things, you're talking about performance, you're talking about how things are going, and you're just continually doing that those conversations. And that's where, where you start to discuss the individual behaviors that the person is, is exhibiting. 
Now that said, uh, we still, even in our growth framework, we still do have behaviors that we allow, or we, we allow that we that we represent in order to 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 just to show what's important. So it might be at a particular company doing pull requests is really important to the company. And therefore, that's something that we would call out as a skill within within the framework. But the uh, so it says does has effective pull requests. Um, but we might do have another or, or a, another skill beside that that says consistently writes pull or consistently has small pull requests, perhaps. Um, but what we would do with that, if this was something that's really important to your organization, is we would actually set that as, as what we call a behavior. And that would allow you to ask that question every time a person does a self-evaluation, as opposed to just once, right? Um, because that's the downside of once you start to use the tool, is you don't want somebody reading, say, 250, 300 skills every single time they do an evaluation, because that's going to take them four or five hours well not quite but two two to three hours is what we found um so instead what you do is you say well once you've done the evaluation the first time anything you've said you had we don't ask you again in six months unless it's a behavior in which case we basically are are revalidating that you're still doing that valid so for instance writing a blog post i mean it's great if you contribute by writing a blog post two years ago but if you're not still writing blog posts, then you're not really doing that thing that you've said you've said you've done. So that's why we ask. And um, did you ever encounter the use of ladders, career growth frameworks in hiring or interviewing situations? Because that's something that I've also found at least helpful for also for the interviewee to to find out like what's important for the company and what what are the yeah, most important skills or behaviors that the company expects and um, wants you to exhibit. So, uh, so Tez is currently experimenting with using the the their current uh, growth framework as a interview tool. So they'll essentially ask people to do a self evaluation prior to the interview, um, which which I found. So I did the first interview in that process that we had, and I found it to be quite useful. Because it kind of, it, it helped me. So first off, I, I think the the interviewee found it to be a bit overwhelming because there's just so much, so many skills and a lot of them are somewhat TED specific. So it, it's difficult to say, have I have I contributed to an open source tool that Tez owns? Well, obviously I haven't. Um, so, so there's a degree of your, you would either have to take a specific career framework and make it generic for it to be most valuable um or you have to or you or you just chop it down so that type of a skill just doesn't exist which is kind of what we tried to do but we still we left we left some stuff in there um i found it as the the so the interviewees but they did find it to be interesting and i've all of the people that we've in, invited for an interview seem to be quite excited to do it so that's good um and uh and and from an interviewer's point of view, having that as a as a place to base my questions on to say, right, you say you're really skilled at JavaScript. Well, let's talk about that and let's make sure you are really skilled at JavaScript. You don't have a lot of agile experience. Okay, that's fine. 
I'm not going to ask you any agile questions because I know you don't, you, you don't claim to have skills in there. So why would I bother bugging you? What I need to do is understand, am I happy to coach you in that space? Uh, but yeah, I think, I think in the more general, I think there's definitely some value in, uh, in, in making sure that people see that. I mean, Tez also has a, um, a standard career ladder, a descriptive career ladder. So rather than skills, but just pure descriptions uh, in our job description. And I think that that's something that uh, that would be quite uh, that's quite useful. And what I'd like to get to at Tez and and with Skills Map is to uh, be able to basically say, right, you want to apply to uh, say one of our customers, Tez being one of our customers, um, you could uh, you could just apply via Skills Map. And then your application is essentially your your, your completed skills map uh, evaluation. Now, of course, you do have to be careful because this is a self-evaluation with the motivation to convince somebody to hire you. So you need to take that self-evaluation with a massive grain of salt. And you can't just be like, right, he says they are expert at everything, hire them. Yeah. Right, so. yeah. It's, it's also, also, I think, especially in the context of using yeah, something like skills map for, for hiring. On the one hand, the question of anonymizing data or anonymizing an application is is, um, is easy to do in, um, in itself. But on the other hand, um, like you said, taking the application with a big grain of salt is important. And at the same time, trying to, or at least being aware of possible biases, like the typical, some under underrepresented groups tend to evaluate themselves more poorly. Um, and in yeah, the typical candidate, which is more represented in tech right now, tends to overestimate their their skills and, and all that. So, so that's definitely not, not an easy field to navigate, I guess. And I think I think the key thing is that you wouldn't ever say no to somebody based off of the strength of their evaluation or weakness of their evaluation. You always want to bring them in. And presuming they you you have a call with them, like uh, the interview process, at least at Tez was uh, is a phone call first to make sure the person has some degree of of knowledge, right? So you're not you're not just hiring a random person that doesn't actually know how to do anything. And then it's a very short, um, basically take home test, which adds. Well, and we hate take home tests for the same problem that the biases. Uh, I hate big take-on tests because, of course, people that are busy, people that happen to be the primary caretakers, which are predominantly women, um, tend not to be able to do them. So what we try to do is find a very small take-home test. Like you have no scaffolding. All you need to do is write a few lines of code. All the scaffolding is in place already. So it's a React app but wow. with almost all the scaffolding. And there's a skills map evaluation as well. So So basically, those three things tell us whether we should bring the person in for an interview. And we found that to be fairly fairly good but of course it's really difficult to know how many people you're losing uh due to due to an overly complex or biased um, interview process it's it's probably very very effective as a conversation starter or as you said already basically a basis for for kind of for the conversation for the interview itself in the beginning when you told us about your journey with the um, framework at, at TES, you, you said that you started to, or you basically introduced the career growth framework when your organization was about 18 people, I guess, um, if I remember correctly. Would you say that's like 
the right amount or the right size of an organization to, to use something like a growth framework or smaller or bigger or so i think i think that there's a degree it so it's the the consultant answer to that is it depends um so the first the first point is that it there there does require a somewhat of an investment into this regardless of there there's a plethora of online tools or not tools sorry online resources available whether rent the runway or or alternatives that can kind of give you a head start but at the same time you still need to invest in in building a map or building a growth a career framework for your engineers so so there's a question of when does that investment actually make sense i when do you have enough time to actually be able to build one and my gut feeling is that you're probably not going to really be worried about that until you're at an engineering team of of 10 plus i would suggest and that's also when do you need to start caring about grades when do, when does the difference between a junior engineer and a senior engineer actually matter to to your team when you have i mean at skills map we have two engineers it doesn't make any difference whether whether one of us is senior or not because it's, it's completely irrelevant um, so so that's kind of the two the two things that kind of uh impact whether when you can use this now personally because for me the investment is quite small uh, i would start using it smaller than that i would i would probably start using it at five and one of the things that SkillsMap is trying to do is actually reduce that investment down as small as possible. So a company with five people would be able to just come in and be like, right, this is a growth framework and it covers what I'm looking for and it's great. And then I can start to use it. So per personally, I would use it at a really small number. But some of the feedback we've had from other companies is that until you really need to care about that difference between the junior, seniors and so on, you could probably avoid putting the investment, both the investment in building it and the investment in the time and the process uh, that you need to bring people in. I think at, at the latest, last company I actually worked with one was I, or we started to introduce it with, I guess, seven people or so. So yeah, it really depends on what your needs are. Yeah, as we're kind of um, going towards the end, I, I'd be really interested in your opinion about a more like general question the, the last one that we the last where we're talking about until now was very specific and practical and um i i, I was wondering why are all those ladders frameworks growth frameworks whatever why are they coming up now and now of course meaning let's say five years plus um over the last five to six, seven, eight years, I don't know. Why did they suddenly start popping up? Was it just this this one or two or three, I don't know, resources suddenly being publicized and everybody going, oh yeah, we need that? Or was it some some other maybe trend that started to surface? Do you, do you have an opinion on that? So, I, I mean, I think that it's fundamentally boils down to the um, two things. One, a lot of other industries probably already have have stuff like this. Have been thinking about career growth, career pathing for their for that industry for quite a long time. Software is quite a young industry, 
um, as, as in comparison to quite a lot of other ones, and it's not well defined, and it's a very complicated one, and so on. So I think that it's just been recently that we've started to uh, recognize that this doesn't actually exist for us. And you're looking at other companies, and you're seeing wait or other other industries. You're saying, well, these guys have a nice path, and they know where they're going, and so on. Well, why don't we? So I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other one is just the difficulty of getting talent. I think people are starting to realize that you have to. If, if you want to compete in today's job market, you have to have a, a you have to, you have to be uh, having decent communication with your engineers. So uh, one, one example of a, of something that can be incredibly poisonous to your organization is a, is what's called, and I don't agree with the term at all, but what's called a rockstar developer. So say that you're paying your senior engineers 90,000. And somebody comes in as a as one of these rock star developers, and they're asking for one hundred and twenty thousand um, pounds or dollars, or whatever. How do you, without a career ladder, how do you say no? We can't do that, or we need to put you in this other in this other space, right? We can't afford that. And and so you have your this rock star developer who's getting paid one hundred and twenty thousand. How do you tell them to that you can't pay them that much money because you really have to protect your existing team. You don't want wild disparities in your salaries because otherwise people are going to start to leave. They're going to say, well, am I not getting paid that much money? Um, so I, I really think that it's, it's a increased uh, visibility into the, into the need to keep people. And people are starting to say, well, how do, I, how do I compete in this job market? How do I, A, hire people? How do I retain them? And what are the tricks? Because I've, I've read numbers um, on the cost of... Uh, hiring a software engineer, and it's somewhere between fifty thousand and seventy thousand dollars to hire an engineer, right? Including time to interview and uh, training cost, and uh, recruit potentially recruitment costs, which are astronomical in the field, and and so on. So, so when you start to look at that and you say, "Well, this is what I'm paying. I can pay significantly less." Build a career framework which may help my me retain people by providing them growth options and different directions and so on, um, that, that you're, you're going to want to start to invest in that direction. So I think, I think that's probably more, that's probably it. Like I, people have started to feel this pain of retention and so on. And now they start to look out and you start to see people like rent the runway and medium and Spotify and, um, Monzo, these bigger companies starting to publish them and, and I think I think that it's actually probably been a a thing that has been just going on for the last say ten to fifteen years, but just not really been published and talked about until recently. But while there have been been a set of companies that have already had these for for quite a long time, i.e., Joel Spowski, I think published his in I'm not even going to guess the year, but quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, quite a while. Yeah, that sounds 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 very sensible. But I, I do suspect that is it is an example of convergent evolution, though, because I mean I know that I came up with my idea independent of of other other career ladders and stuff, and I think everybody's just kind of coming to this realization: we need to have a definition in our in our in our uh, industry of what it means to be these different things. But of course, because our industry is so broad, it's impossible to have a single one, and therefore. It really boils down to the individual organizations to try to come up with their own, and that's kind of where it's slowly snowballing. And what we're hoping at SkillsMap is that we can really help drive forward. I wouldn't say a single one because that's never going to be possible, but make it a lot easier for companies to 
to come up with them. Yeah, cool. So thanks a lot, David, for your time. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Thank you.